0: Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Alyssa Sweetman, and you're listening to Influencer Fundraising, the podcast, a podcast for the curious nonprofit professional who wants to take their digital fundraising strategy to the next level. Vanessa, go ahead and introduce yourself, please. Okay. My name
1: is Vanessa. On Twitch, you can find me as Pleasantly Twisted. I have been doing charity streaming for the better chunk of about a year and three months, and I've been streaming total for about two years and three months. And I kind of broke into the charity space with companies like St. Jude, The Trevor Project, Trans Lifeline, and I've been working closely with Allie to actually get more charity-centric things focused around Twitch alongside just the general community building around charity streaming.
0: Tim? Tim?
2: Hi, my name's Tim on Twitch. You can find me as Gamer Enchantment. I've been streaming on Twitch uh, actually next month for six years, and I've been charity streaming for that entire time with uh, Children's Miracle Network Hospitals, St. Jude, Wounded Warrior Project, uh, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, just to name a few. Uh, I got very interested in doing charity work when I first started streaming uh, just by the interest of wanting to help others Uh, Along with doing something that I was passionate about and enjoyed. And it's just become something where I do about uh, anywhere from three to four charities a year uh, on top of my regular broadcasting. So that's me.
3: Dylan? All right. Hey, my name is Dylan. Um, I go by the empire and all my socials, including Twitch. Um, I've been around the Twitch community since, uh, Justin TV days. So coming close to the 10 year mark on being around and involved in the community. Um, I've been charity streaming on my own channel for a little over two years now, uh, starting with St. Jude as well. Um, doing some stuff with JDRF. Um, on top of that, I also do event management and organization for things like local in-person LAN events, basically bring your own computer, come and play some video games for a weekend with some friends. Um, and working with Allie, I actually ended up just signing on as the community manager for JDRF um, for their game to give program to help streamers get involved, kind of similar to stuff we're doing right now. So.
0: Awesome, super excited about that. Um, and if you indicated when you filled out the form that you would like to see candidates' resumes, both Vanessa and Tim's resume are actually in that folder in that email that I sent you. So feel free to take a look. Hi, I'm Alyssa Sweetman. Um, you most likely know me as Allie or Allycat Cat somewhere. Um, I was a second grade teacher and got started on Twitch in 2015, discovered charity streaming. And began organizing events, less so streaming myself, but more just the organization and helping others. Um, and then, you know, I ended up at Twitch af- after doing that for about a year and a half. And now a good portion of my job is helping nonprofits get started in what I like to call the influencer fundraising space, uh, because it's not exactly peer to peer or crowd, it's more like Kickstarter where someone you care about or something you care about is asking for you to donate. So it's slightly different than friend to friend. And um, we're gonna go and just kind of start by um, having each streamer talk about their process and how long it takes them to set up a charity stream and like the, the all of the thoughts they go behind when they go to set one, set them up. And Tim, why don't we start with you?
2: OK, well, uh, when I'm getting ready to start up everything with doing a charity stream, I typically take anywhere from two to three months to get everything set up, uh, establishing communication with the organization, uh, especially if I haven't fundraised with them before, uh, establishing communication with them, getting interest in them, finding out uh, what it is they're doing, where the money is going to. Uh, how they plan on making their goals for their charity event that they're going to be doing. And then from there, establishing types of incentives for my community when I'm broadcasting. Is it going to be using stuff like temporary tattoos, using balloons, uh, little googly eyes, little things like that that get my community interested in wanting to be part of this charity event, as well as gaining more knowledge about the organization itself, so that way I can tell my community about this organization, where the money is going to, uh, the benefits behind this organization. Because there's one thing to just read a script about an organization, and it's another to have a passion and interest behind the organization. And your community is going to see that difference They're going to see if you're passionate about it or if you're just, you know, reading a piece of paper. And as the process continues on, just getting everything set up so that way when I do push the button for live for the charity event, I feel that I'm the most um, ready and organized that I can be uh, to be able to provide the content to the community and be able to raise as much money as I possibly can.
0: Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Uh, Vanessa, let's talk about the time and effort you put into your your streams and like, how, how much time you, you go through with it.
1: I didn't hear the name that you said. Is that for me or for Dylan? That's for you. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> and just the name got cut off and I was like, I don't know what she's asking. Um, so kind of similar to what Tim just said, it's a lot of time, effort and energy. So for example, right now, I have You play live that I'm gonna be doing in May and I'm already working on getting it set up right now so this is at the absolute bare minimum three weeks out in advance if not even as far as two months out in advance and it's going to be solely dependent on how long the actual charity drive that i'm running is going to be going for and over the time of that process it'll be thinking about incentives milestones and those two are really big to me just because i want to make sure that my community does feel involved, does feel included, and does feel like this is more just a combination of working for the charity and helping them out, but also giving them an opportunity to have fun on the channel and in the channel space. Um, So we have incentives, we have milestones. There's also scheduling in general. I'm not a full-time streamer. I stream three times a week for about five hours every single time. So I have to make sure that my schedule abides by that and that I can meet my goals and incentives and milestones within that timeframe. It also includes information gathering, making sure that we know about the charity. I have assets available for the charity. Are they available from the charity? Do I need to make my own? That's gonna add more time to my actual prepping. And also making sure that I have on deck relevant information as uh, Tim very aptly said. It's one thing to just read a script and say, this will help sick kids, but it's a completely different conversation to actually get involved, start talking to CMs, following their news media, reading up what they're doing, looking into their new incentives, their new actual projects and everything, and talking about also what that money directly go towards. You can say that it helps kids with cancer, but it's a completely different conversation when you say, hey, this is helping get oxygen. This is helping there are no more cancer parties. This is helping someone get chemo and so on and so forth. So low end about three weeks, high end about two months, and incorporates all of those details that I just named off.
0: Awesome. Thank you. And so what Vanessa was referencing is something that I usually call an impact statement. Impact statements usually are for X dollars donated. We can do exactly X. It doesn't mean that money's earmarked for that event, but it does mean that it helps the community understand the gravity of their donation and having um, impact statements from small to large is really helpful. Uh, Dylan, go ahead and go through your process.
3: Okay. On both the streamer side and on the event organization side, the process is going to be very similar. Um, One thing that's very, very common that we'll see here, too, is a lot of people that do this for a living are going to need extra time to prepare on top of that, too. Fortunately, i have only been a part-time streamer for the majority of the time. For it. there, ma- mainly as a hobby, um, because of the moderation and event stuff I do on the side there too. It's not my day, it's not my full-time job. It never has been, except for small parts where I'm in between something. I'll I'll stream, you know, five days a week kind of thing. Obviously, that's a different situation where it turns into the the temporary main income source. Um, but for a lot of people that do do this as a living, again, it is their main income. They have to prepare ahead of time for hey. How much money do i need to set aside or not spend or pull from savings whatever i need to do to be prepared for it there so having enough time to get everything done i i usually shoot for a month ahead of time at the minimum that way we can be hey i want to be able to say i'm going to drop 50 dollars on incentive related stuff again like like to mention the googly eyes balloons things of that sort to be able to do things um being boozled beans you know whatever the incentive is going to be giving us time to be prepared for that aspect for it there on the other side of the coin again with the event organizing usually that is a three month minimum ahead of time process for me it's going to be involving are the streamers that i'm going to have there are they local do they need to travel are we getting flights and hotels taken care of for the event to get them out there are we paying them or are we not paying them and that's very important to be upfront about too especially if you don't have an existing relationship with the streamers you're bringing out is, Hey, if we're going to pay you, we don't want it to be a weird situation where you feel like that they're, they're paying me, you know, that, that kind of like side, eyed look at the, uh, the email that you get for an offer or something of that nature. You want to make sure that the reasons for the payment are, or whatever is being covered, validated or given as compensation are covered for it too. And that's why minimum three months is usually what I shoot for, for actual physical in-person events that will run.
0: Awesome. Um, So a lot to impact with all three of y'all statements. Um, I want to circle back a little bit to um, two of you mentioned the planning for your community and allowing people to save up for donations and things like that. Um, I often tell, tell nonprofits that if they are reaching out to fundraisers that are listed somewhere publicly right after an event, they're just asking for someone to give up more of their income i like to describe it as there's no other job in the world where you show up do a special project work twice as hard plan twice as hard and then ask not to be paid um so if you can kind of talk a little bit about the financial hit that happens for a short period of time after you've done a charity event uh vanessa let's start with you Okay, so in terms
1: of the financial hit that I go through after the event happens, um, some of it you already touched on a little bit. So especially when we're talking about incentives and milestones, you know, I have some of the items here like the googly eyes, the bean boozled, and other stuff like that. All of those are things that I try to buy ahead of time, but those are being purchased directly out of pocket from me, and that includes things like bacon soda that includes things like the temporary tattoos, all of that stuff is things that I myself personally buy. And then even during the event itself, I may catch myself going to another person's stream and dropping off donations to help support them, get their chat hyped, get them energized and get their donations and stuff rolling because all of it in the grand scheme of things is to actually help the entire charity organization. However, once it. Ends. there's usually about a solid month or so period where I call it just recovery time. And it's straight up recovery time because, you know, I've spent the money on the Bean Boozled, the stickers, the googly eyes, I've drank too much bacon soda and now I think I'm gonna be just absolutely miserable. There's gummies, there's all sorts of other things involved. And even for this most recent one, I had a milestone that got hit where I had to wind up spending more money because they did so well with donating that I actually promised my community that I would go out and do something that required additional fundage. So there's about a solid, I would say one or two month period afterwards where the money's hit a little bit hard. And so we have to kind of wind down and dial things back a great deal because the charity streaming spending never, quite ends right at the end of charity streaming if there's other things that you have to take care of after that be it even just recovery things or additional incentives additional milestones those are also things that are
3: nine times out of ten
0: out of our pockets awesome thanks uh dylan
3: yeah so going along with that there it it is a long process recovering for it afterwards especially if it's the day job because like Allie mentioned it's the only kind of job where you, you come in and you work twice as hard and you, you don't get actual financial direct support. Obviously, there's going to be stuff like if people will donate, um, donating to the cause itself is going to be the main focus of those broadcasts, obviously, and that's what the communities will save up and go towards. But at the same time, there's going to be like people renewing their subs or having it on auto renew. Obviously, there's going to be some income that will come in depending on the period of time for it, but it's not going to be nearly as much as a regular day-to-day, hey, here's my regular scheduled broadcast here's the general stuff and people are gonna come and support on a regular basis for that. It's it's the hit that they take financially with having, saying, hey, this is our focus for this weekend, this day, this week, this month, whatever the end of the period of time ends up being. Um, again, even if it's just a weekend, it's still a financial hit that's gonna be taken out of that. Um, and with other management stuff that I've done in the past and still do currently for friends, basically, you know, just giving general advice. It's a, hey, if a company asks you, hey, can you fly out for a weekend to do this, this or that, you got to think about, hey, how many days am I going to be gone? What am I going to be spending? What are they going to be spending on me? What kind of hit am I going to take financially? How much do I make on a regular basis per stream per month kind of thing and divide it down so you can make sure whether it's a paid or a non-paid event that you're getting the benefit out of it. So you're not, you know, missing all your bills for the next month and a half. And that's that's the vast reality of it is we have to make sure that, again, stepping into the role that I've just accepted, making sure that I can communicate with them as far ahead of time as possible so they can be prepared is going to be a huge factor for helping it be successful on both our end and on the individual streamers end because at the end of the day it's raising money for our for the charities that we're working for whether it be on the streamer side or again in the position that i just stepped into
0: yeah absolutely uh gamer you uh we recently had a conversation i'm sorry tim we have real names muggle names um Tim, we we recently talked about how um it was actually kind of hurting all of your charity events for you to do so many charity events and you re- readjusted so you can kind of talk about the overexhaustion that a community faces and also the financial hit because streaming is what one, um, one of two full-time jobs for you
2: yeah um it's a really good point because there was a, a point a couple of years ago where i became so interested in wanting to do charity events Uh, That I created this own event for myself called the Year of Giving where I would put a focus on charity events and I decided to take it upon myself to do a charity event every month and every month would be a different charity and with the fact that it takes two or three months to kind of get everything rolling with a charity event you imagine how long it was taking to be able to get everything set up for a charity event. And at the same time, while I'm running one, I'm talking to one to get them initially set up and then another one to get them kind of in the middle of it. And then the next one for when this month is over, I'm gonna go roll into this one. So it it creates this huge amount of work that you have to work on and keep track with and making sure that you're representing the correct people. And there's even times where uh, uh, broadcasters are going to start rattling information in their head and start talking about an organization. And go, oh, wait a minute. No, no, no. I streamed for them, you know, last time. I'm working on this one right now. So you have to correct yourself on what you're talking about. And then the financial hit of taking that is with doing all of that, you're putting a huge strain on your community as well as yourself because incentives I may do for St. Jude are going to be different than what I do for Wounded Warrior Project. So you may be spending less money or more money. You may be doing uh, more incentives that are more physical than actual um, comical. So everything is going to be very different with that. And you have a both financial, mental, and physical strain with doing all of these different organizations at the same time. So I started calming it down myself. Went from one a month to doing six a year now down to four a year to where i'm more comfortable with the organizations that i fundraise for and as well it gives me an opportunity to focus on what i do outside of streaming because as much as we all love streaming and we all doing love doing what we do and interacting with our community and all these charities we'd like to think that we have a life outside of this and we don't want to be able to give up that life just because we're enjoying what we're doing so so there has to be a give and take in there and with me as i started to calm down a little bit i started to give a little bit more to my outside streaming life which has kind of made my work-life balance a lot better
0: awesome sounds, sounds really good um so before we dive right into um the, the two questions that are asked um The next question I'm going to ask is typically something and this, this question in particular is exactly why I don't live stream this on Twitch is because I want you to feel really comfortable in sharing. um, Without giving any examples or naming any nonprofits that have done anything specifically um, kind of talk about where areas areas where charities can grow where they've like missed the mark with you. um, And how that's impacted your your feeling of them and. um, if Someone had asked you if they should fundraise for them, how that would have how that would have impacted your answer. Dylan, we'll start with you.
3: Perfect. So, um, so one thing I've always brought into mind with previous positions, current positions, everything of that sort for it there is communication. Is a huge factor and how you communicate is even more important on top of that. It's one thing to send out a you know a vast, giant, all the same information for everybody kind of email, just general statements if they send up for a newsletter. And there's obviously going to be room for that for general information, especially when you have an event or a charity push or like a week or a month that you have an awareness month coming up and say, Hey. Now would be a great time to sign up. Let us know if you need any help with anything. It's one thing to do general stuff of that nature, but it's a whole nother step to take it one step further, especially with social media and being able to actually interact with the people that are fundraising for you, posting about it, being excited about it on social media, especially if they're tagging you and letting you know through any sort of form of social media that they're, that you know, that they're excited about raising money for you and that they, they want to make sure that the community knows that they're raising money for you. Um, something that's very simple that you can use is especially stuff like Twitter and Facebook and stuff, depending on how they're tagging and using it. There's plenty of ways to search for the information, search if they're tagging for it, search for the Tiltify link or whatever link or whatever fundraising form you use for everything and being able to actually like pull up that browser, pull up that search engines, pull up again, best example I use is Twitter because the vast majority of us as streamers from especially being in the business for as long as I have been, most of us use Twitter. That's our main source. That's our main thing that we, that we post on, that we get excited about. The next up would probably be Instagram. Those are the two that are going to be the most.
0: Instagram. Really? As, as,
3: yeah. As weird as it sounds, the vast majority of streamers I that I, I've worked with and talked to.
0: If I can't get a hold of you, I'm not reaching out to you on Instagram. <laughs> Instagram is for me. It's not for work.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so the, and I know several people that literally will have a personal Instagram and a gaming or Twitch Instagram. They'll have two different accounts and they will try and separate as best as they can. And sometimes the floodgates open and it's on both sides. But then there are influencers that use it just in the same sort of way as Twitter, where they'll, they'll post the information about their broadcast. They'll post about what charity they're working with or what they're doing for on there. Again, just to spread the information and awareness as much as possible. So making sure you can interact with people in that way, shape or form, um, having a Discord server is a huge plus because then they have somewhere they can go to for general information and everything like that just say hey i want to be ready if they're going to be doing anything i want to have somewhere i can go to i can talk to i know who's staff who's working who's part of that organization directly so if i have a question i know who to reach out for and again having a person that they can directly talk to and be comfortable with is a huge plus too both online and physically at events like pax and TwitchCon.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So to add to the note about Discord, it's important to note that lots of people, Discord is like free to make a server. So that means that everyone makes one and once theirs to be the destination for um, all online chatter and like community. As a nonprofit, if you're building a Discord server, you should really be aware that the streamer is probably really close to the max of also in 99 other servers, the max is 100 servers. And so, um, understand that while some people will be super talkative, a vast majority of the people that join your discord server are joining simply because they want to have quick access to you or be up to date on notifications. Um, Tim, you've actually had a few different instances with a few different nonprofits that um, are kind of unique. I don't think I've at least as many people haven't been quite as honest with me as you have. Um, if you can talk about some, without naming, you know, any, any names or charities, just kind of talk about the experiences and how, like how that made you feel. Um, and um, you had shared some of these nonprofits that had these some similar behaviors with other people. So I'll let you take it from there.
2: Yeah, um, there have been a couple different organizations that I've worked with that while they bring people in wanting people to help fundraise for their organization or wanting to be kind of a representative for their organization, they've kind of like passed down either like a directive or a particular type of speech that they want you to use, or they want you to act a particular way that may not fit exactly with how you run your community or how you were personally act or how transparent you are. And sometimes you can have that conflict with your community as well as with yourself and your brand, uh, for fundraising for this organization. So it's kind of one of those where while you want to talk to the broadcaster and you know find out where their ideas are, you also have to take into mind what your organization wants to do. How do they want the influencer to act on stream or what you want them to say and say, okay, is the or the influencers that we that we're looking for, do we want them to be a certain way? Do we want them to act a certain way? Do we want them to have a certain ideology? and you want to make sure that you're not trying to uh, put the influencer or broadcaster in a box and say that you should only act this way when you're with us and make sure that when you are communicating with them, you're open and honest with them. Obviously, you know there are going to be moments where uh, there will be times where an organization wants to fundraise uh, during a month when another big organization is fundraising during that month. So a really good example would be like, st jude st jude's big time is the end of april and all of may so while your organization may be interested in wanting to do a charity event during that time period they should also understand that maybe not a lot of influencers may come to you because of what's going on so you shouldn't be communicating with that influencer and say hey do this for this or for our organization We're going to fundraise, we're going to do all these huge numbers and we're going to do better than what St. Jude is doing right now. And I want you to put a focus on that. And that may make the influencer a little uncomfortable with wanting to say that exact script or words or however it is that you're communicating with the person.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Vanessa, uh, the last time we did this panel, you talked about um, how how people were approaching you and um, some emails and DMs. Uh, Definitely, while you're talking about that, make sure to add in that part for me.
1: Okay, so and I was actually going to talk a little bit about that and tie both Dylan and Tim's thoughts together about the entire thing. So absolutely utilize your social media spaces much, 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 much more than you currently are, but also that personal touch and then even just doing your homework about streamer spaces, what we're doing, how we're doing it is critical because you're going to get a completely different response from influencers when you show up as someone who's personally invested, who has actually watched my streams, knows what I'm about, has scoured a little bit of my Twitter and said, oh, okay, I see what she's into, I see what she's talking about, I think she might be a good fit, and actually trying to cater that pitch to me versus giving me just a cut and dry script that you're going to spam send to 400 streamers. Because the other thing about it is that we can tell when it's just, okay, we're going to shoot the fish in the barrel and see what hits versus actually taking that concentrated effort to say, we're looking for people that we want to represent our name and our brand. We think that you're a good fit as you are, things are going to be great. And we would love it if you would come and help us type of thing. And another thing about that in terms of what the charities themselves can do a little bit better is honing in on that homework part, not just looking into the streamers that you want to work with and how you want to communicate with them making it a little bit more personal, but also looking into specifically the types of things that we need in order to be successful. So I've had it on a couple of occasions where I've been hit with the blanket commentary and someone just says, come raise money for us. It'll be a great cause. And it's like, cool. I kind of figure that's the case for almost any charity. So you have to tell me a little bit more because at that point you're building excise for me. And I'll be honest with you. I already have so many things going on in the Twitch space, the charity space and my actual day to day nine to five job that I don't actually have the time to go out and spend another 40, 50, 60 hours over the next three weeks, just to do homework when you could have even given me just a little bit of information to start off with and get a feel for it. But then on top of all of that, also making sure that you have an idea of what we can utilize so for a lot of places i've had a couple of instances where i've signed up and said yeah i love this organization i'm going to raise money for them it's going to be great and then we get in there and they have nothing that's no actual, um, I forget what you call it, Allie, but the uh, action statements and anything, they don't have overlays, they don't have panels, they don't have any type of graphics or grabable information that we can start plugging and chugging, even if it's just a little bit of alteration that needs to be done, that's still much better than just showing up and saying, okay, raise money for us, but we have no idea what to give you, so have a blast. And that also becomes a little bit of a conflict because how I raise money on my charity stream is going to be completely different than how Dylan does it. And it's going to be completely different than how Tim does it. We're not all three going to be doing it the same way. We have the same skeletal model of incentives, milestones and probably letting our chat just troll us for a little bit. But how we actually achieve that goal is going to be drastically different. So definitely do your homework about how you want to do all this stuff, but then also, get more involved on a personal level, get involved in the social media, have someone who's actually there to post as a social media person and not just drop off submission statements here and there to remind everyone that, that account exists.
0: Awesome. So I'm right before my next question, I wanna add in one, one additional thing that um, I don't know that, that was kind of left off. Um, as a nonprofit, when you reach out to anybody, including a company, whether it be Twitch as a company, a fundraising platform, or a streamer, if part of your pitch is putting down another nonprofit, that's not okay. Um, it turns everybody off. Um, that was more specifically what I was calling out for you, Tim, to see if <laughs> to see if you would say it. Because Tim specifically has had an experience where he's had quite a few nonprofits and I don't know what it is about Tim, but when they hit him up to do a charity stream, they're like, I saw you fundraise for this this charity and that they're not as cool as us type of situation in, much, uh, in less nicer words.
2: Yeah, it's been a, a very unfortunate when that's happened that I've had an organization tell me that, oh, you know, while we've noticed that you fundraise for this organization, we really think that you shouldn't give them your attention, your time, your effort, and you should really fundraise for us because our money goes to this and our money goes to that. And that's just an immediate red flag that just makes you back up and go, whoa, 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 whoa. We're, we're all trying to help people. So why are you putting them down, especially if they're within the same charity space, if they're like two organizations that help with childhood cancer, two organizations that help with Uh, mental health Two organizations that help with veterans and you start putting down the other organizations. Like why you're, you're helping the same people. What, why are you putting them down and making, you're trying to put yourselves on that pedestal when you are really, you're supposed to be working together. And it's very unfortunate when that happens, because that puts you in the bucket of, I really don't want to talk to them. And if anyone kind of comes to you and asks for that information, you can't just, you know, stomach that you kind of have to go, well, I've had this experience with this organization. That's my opinion. You're welcome to do whatever you want, but this is what I've experienced. And then as anyone knows, word of mouth travels very fast. And if you build up a bad reputation for your organization because you put down other organizations, you're going to start to find that a lot of people will not want to pay attention to your organization.
0: Yeah, uh, just... What, that was one thing I thought was pretty important to surface um uh the next question um we've kind of we talked about incentives we've talked about um communication and this is kind of jumping off of Vanessa's you know pet peeves of not having assets and stuff let's talk about some of like the best assets that you've had in terms whether it be a video commercial um a list of impact statements um feel free to you know call out and shine a spotlight on those wonderful charities that have provided them for you. Uh, Dylan, we'll start with you.
3: Yeah. So with the, with all the organizations that I've worked with, um, both currently and in the past event wise or otherwise, um, companies that have really done a good job have been St. Jude extra life. JDRF is one of them as well with their game to give program, which kind of happy to be under the rope with that. Now we're seeing what they put in in November Um, having, a video that's embedded or that we can download that we can play on our stream during a normal ad breaker. if we need to get up and use the bathroom that is a huge plus for us that gives us something to run if we need a couple minutes to step away for a second for any reason whatsoever be it just general bathroom breaks or something setting up for an incentive that we're gonna you know pile through and do like oh hey i'm gonna get a whipped cream pie to the face let me give me two minutes so we can get some some tarp down or something so we don't make a mess that gives us the time to set that up but also still giving information about why we're doing what we're doing. So stuff of that nature is huge. Um, general size base, and I know Vanessa hit on the last time we were on the same kind of conversation, is actual stuff that's built for the platforms that we're doing things through, making it easier for us when it takes minimal effort when you're setting it up to actually set it to those dimensions saves us so much time because then we don't have to mess around with it. We not, we're not going to plug in and say... Oh, I can't even read that. Okay, cool. I guess I'll have to take another five minutes and get it fixed. Let me load up Photoshop or whatever program I use, making it easier for us makes it easier in the long run for us to fundraise for you. And it makes it a smoother process overall. And again, more additional assets like the videos, the commercials, the impact statements that we can use in an overlay if we want to create it on our own accord or use as a commercial break doing things like that sets us up, up for success and that makes our process easier so we can focus more time and effort on the things that can't just be handed over and then that's going to be the stuff on our side to be prepared for it
0: yeah absolutely um tim
2: so i i would definitely like to echo with dylan and say that st jude has definitely been the best one that i've had as far as Uh, having things available for us to use because I've been streaming with St. Jude coming up on five years now and seeing their process as they've gone along going from, oh, you just have a picture that you have to find on the internet to say that you're streaming for them to actually having a full overlay set up and they have alerts set up and as time goes on and you get closer to their goal, they actually have a little snippet of code that you can put into your broadcasting system that shows the overall goal to let your community know that, hey, we're close to making this $2 million mark. Let's push as much as we can. And it's updating in real time, which gets people more excited with it. And for those of us that have been to uh, a summit that St. Jude does, they show us some of the videos that we'll have access to. And all of us are human. We all have hearts and emotions. And the fact that some of us have will cry or get, you know, teary eyed because we've seen some of those videos. We know how personal and how impactful they can be. So we'll want to show them to our community. And we even have to take moments when we play those videos because we personally may be getting emotional watching them, even though we've seen them four, five, six, ten 10 times. Uh, so we know that our community will see them not just as a way to show them what's going on with this organization and what they're doing, but just the personal aspect of it, the emotional aspect of it. Because there's one thing that you can say that, hey, you know, we're helping to raise money to get rid of childhood cancer. And it's another when you have this little boy named John that is five years old and he's going through the chemo process and you're watching his life in the hospital. And it makes it very personable and wanting you to do everything that you possibly can to help him and all the other children that are like him at the hospital so having all of those resources available to us makes it so that we can put as much effort as we possibly can into fundraising for your organization and getting our community involved to help make it as successful as possible
0: awesome thanks so much uh vanessa
1: um absolutely echoing everything that tim and dylan has said and as it was brought up before like the assets thing is my big one and i can go the direction of having stuff pre-made that's the direct correct dimensions layout specs and everything else but also if you want people to have a little bit more creativity making sure they have access to something on the google drive to like PNG level logos or specific fonts and stuff you want them to use because then you can let people be a little bit more expressive if they feel so inclined, but also make sure it still kind of fits the same metric and standard so that it's still understood as all across the same thing. I actually want to try and dig into one that wasn't mentioned already and kind of talked about extensively, and that was bots for your stream labs, your chat bots and other stuff. I think that one is also a monumental help because the charity organization can go forth and create a bot that can be implemented into Streamlabs. I know that, that used to be Nightbot. I know that there's a couple other bots out there. I personally use the Streamlabs chat bot. And I can add, again, make it a call out St. Jude. And I have a little bit of bias because I'm still relatively new to the space for a year and three months. Um, but I can add a bot to my chat commands and everything that literally, it's a St. Jude mod bot, and it just runs information every 20 minutes, guaranteed. I don't have to do the extra stuff. I don't have to sit down, stop my stream and say, well, I haven't mentioned anything about it for a little bit. Guess I'm going to say some stuff real fast and it'll just pull up little action statements, little um, incentives and everything right there for you in the chat. So that in the event that maybe you get caught up in something like I do because I talk forever. It'll actually make sure that that conversation is still going. People still have access to information. And then one of my favorite things was specifically an alert that they did that kind of honed in to that emotional factor. They made an alert last year that was like a little miniature banner that could be personalized for your stream. And whenever people would donate, instead of giving you the Tiltify uh, notification with whatever alerts and everything you attach to it and then whatever squiggly text or effects you have it would actually override it so that when you donate it it would make the little ribbon come out it would have a bunch of kids that say thank you and it'll show how much it was for and then it had a little star tracker to show how close you were to your goal and i'm like actually getting watery about it now because like it's it's a big thing but i'm also um I'm someone that I get emotional very easily. Like someone donates $50 and I'm like, "Ah," type of thing and I'm crying all over the place. So to have someone in my very first St. Jude drop 500 bucks off and have that come through, it was like, like it's actually, I'm pushing it back right now. It just, it's a big thing. It's a big, it's a big help. And those small touches, make and break the entire charity streaming moment it really really does because it shows that they put forth that extra effort sorry i'm a crying disaster on this podcast um it shows that they put forth that extra effort and want to make sure that it's important not just that you raise money for them but it has an impact on your community and you so sorry i got a little bit messy there
0: (laughs) you're you're fine um yeah and so some of the things Vanessa was talking about a lot of you listening um probably work for the company called Tiltify. Um all of the features that Vanessa just mentioned um I am not 100% certain but I also believe possibly the bot to custom overlays um Tiltify makes the custom overlays for St. Jude. So feel feel free to reach out to them and talk to them about like what things you can do. Don't think that you have to cut bot all by yourself, 100%. Um, there are already tools and um, fundraising platforms available for you. Um, the one I personally endorse is Tiltify. But since we're nearing the end, we're gonna go ahead and swap over to questions. Um, if you're in the call and you have any questions, now's the time to go ahead and start dropping those in the Google form and your calendar invite. Um, the first question we have is from Anthony from Charity Water. And he asks, what typically drives your decision to support certain charities over others? Are there certain attributes or traits you look for? Um, Vanessa, we'll go with you first.
1: I didn't realize I was still unmuted. I'm glad that I didn't like say anything wild and crazy. Um, So something that I look for personally, I have a lot of investment in humanitarian efforts along with environmental efforts personally. So that's why if you look at my actual catalog of charities that I've worked for. I've personally worked for St. Jude, that's gonna be right there in Medical Helping Kids. I've worked with Trevor Project, I've worked with Trans Lifeline, and I've also done a little bit of stuff with WWF with the wildfires over in Australia and everything. So my big drive for a lot of these is, I want to support charities that directly impact people right then and there. And it's not to say that other charities don't, and it's not to say that no charity misses that mark, but there's something for me specifically where I like working directly with something where it's like, hey, this has an impact on a family right here, right now. So some of the ones I've been looking at too is ironically enough Charity Water along with uh, Doctors Without Borders. I've been pushing them really heavy as of this latest pandemic and everything because a lot of people have approached me and said, hey, Are there any like medical related ones that you can think of off the top of your head that you can go to? And it's like, well, yeah, I could probably give you a list of that. And I also have like a full listing of charities that I would like to work with in. My big ones that I'm focusing on are gonna be humanitarian efforts, um, along with environmental efforts, but then also just things that, again, things I feel like can help just kind of make the world just a little bit brighter because is, again, it's not to say that the charities that aren't focused around those items don't do those things but there's just something special in my heart about helping someone and knowing hey they got their cancer treatments and you help with that or hey they actually got access to the suicide hotline and you help with that they got clean water and you help with that and it's like okay i feel like I feel like i'm trying to put something back out into the world that i myself have had access to so i want to make sure other people have access to it as well if that makes a lot of sense it might have been muddled It might have been weird
0: yeah absolutely um tim
2: uh i would say with me um what's given me the focus on the organizations that i support is uh, i'm a veteran myself So obviously supporting organizations that support veterans like Wounded Warrior Project uh, definitely make a lot of sense with me because I'm actually a member of Wounded Warrior Project. So not only am I helping an organization that supports veterans, I know personally with that experience what they do for their veterans. So it gives me more uh, passion and incentive to represent them when I'm doing a charity event. Uh, When it comes to stuff like with uh, humanitarian, St. Jude is my big one. And it's because... You know, wanting to help people, wanting to help uh, these children that you, you may see the commercials on TV, you may hear the commercials on the radio, but then the information that St. Jude gives us and as well being invited to their summit and being able to see some of these children in person uh, to speak, it, it just, it makes it more impactful. It makes you realize that, hey, even this $1 that I raised is helping in some way, it's getting face masks. It's getting food, it's getting oxygen, it's getting chemo, it's doing it in some way. And then um, with mental health, mental health has always been a huge thing for me uh, for a very long time. So being able to help organizations that provide in mental health, whether it be uh, helping with uh, information, uh, counseling, phone numbers to be able to call, resources for them to have, it's just always been something that's impactful for me. Uh, When I look at other organizations, I just look at how long have they been around, what it is they're doing, where's the money going to, uh, what stuff have they done in the past. If they're brand new to working with influencers, okay, what are their goals? What would they like to do? Are they shooting for the pie in the sky or are they just wanting to help a little bit low and then grow from there? It all makes a difference in what it is that i'm looking for and uh not necessarily how much effort i'm wanting to put in but definitely wanting to help them and maybe even provide encouraging words and advice for that organization to help them grow because now i'm passionate about them and want to see them grow
0: yeah absolutely dylan
3: yep so passion and direct connectivity are my biggest things Um, that i'll typically look for if i'm looking to fundraise or am interested in any way shape or form whether it's them reaching out first or me um uh, obviously being type 1 diabetic that's where the jdrf connection came from uh with st jude's i had a friend that actually ended up going to st jude's when we were in middle school so that was something that was directly connected with that obviously and that stuck with me for the longest time um on top of the uh, main job that i've had over the last you know, the last few years here they actually do fundraising directly through their point of sale system during the holidays and raising money that way it's just kind of like a hey I'm, I'm helping no matter in what way shape or form i can whether it's through my twitch stream through work through anything else um so having that personal connection is a huge thing for a lot of broadcasters it's one of those hey we all know someone that has had cancer that has diabetes that has dealt with depression or mental health anxiety any of those issues that you know has t- had to wonder if they they'll have food next week To be able to feed their kids it's it's any of these issues that we are all directly connected with with all the people we know in our daily lives including ourselves and being able to find an organization that actually directly helps with those situations with those issues and with those people we care about the most that's going to bring us to the point of hey if i can raise money for anything this is what i'm going to do it for yeah
0: that's that's really awesome Um, Thanks for for sharing. And our next question is from April at the Children's Wish Foundation of Canada. Um, How do you, quote unquote, meet a creator that cares about your organization? Um, Before I toss this off to our panelists, um, the way I usually describe it to folks is first through Twitter, you should absolutely from your main Twitter account, not an other that you created for the influencer fundraising program, tweet out that you've signed up on Tiltify or whichever platform you're using and folks can start fundraising for you. You'd be surprised who already supports you is also on Twitch or a similar platform. Additionally, you can ask, um, we're in looking. To check out some new Twitch streamers today, tag your favorite Twitch streamer below. That's one way to engage with folks. Um, If someone has an email publicly listed, feel free to email them, but these folks will warn you about um, blanket mass emails shortly. And if you're in person, when the world returns to normal, I always suggest that when you're standing in line or standing near someone and you find an opening to start a conversation, you know, say hello and ask them about themselves and be like, oh, do you stream on Twitch? And if they say yes, be like, oh, OK, well, is there a business card that I can have for you? And then once you get their business card, hand them yours and just say your name. You don't have to start with letting them know your nonprofit. Let the connection be about you and that person. And that will really help you up on a solid footing. Uh, Dylan, we'll start with you.
2: I'm glad
3: you led right off with that because those are literally practices that I've done in the positions that I've worked with, organization-wise, uh, working for a company that I was their stream manager and uh, influencer marketing team, basically, kind of like a blanket position, basically. But that was a lot of the things that I did when I was in that job. Is when I went to TwitchCon, when I've gone to PAX, when I've worked at PAX. It's not just you know doing your job on a regular basis or going around and enjoying the event because if you're gonna go, absolutely enjoy these events because they're a great time. Um, but when you do have those opportunities and you say, oh Hey, you know, I'm at TwitchCon and this person has a partner badge or an affiliate badge because there is no limitation for what tier they're at to what they can do on there. The the tiers between partners and affiliates is one main thing I always try and focus on because you can have an affiliate raise 10 times as much as a partner can, just because their community is more invested on that point. And on what they're fundraising for, just because they're partnered or just because they're affiliated, it shouldn't be a, oh, I, I need to work with just partners kind of thing. And that's one thing that, especially in the industry in the past has been a focus on, but especially before affiliates became a thing that, oh, hey, the only people that are going to be able to make money for this cause are people that are established as partners on the platform. And that's the absolute opposite of the case. Obviously, there's going to be success with partners on a regular basis if they're able to do a fundraiser because they've already established themselves on the platform in that way, shape and form but I know plenty of affiliates that just haven't gotten that shiny mark yet of being partnered that have raised more than people I've known on the platform for the last 10 years. So absolutely. Whether it's in person or online, don't limit the reach that you have just because they're partnered or affiliate, they could do more for you than you realize, no matter what their level.
0: Yeah. And to add to that, um, there's an affiliate that does an event for St. Jude every year and they're, affiliate level, not quite enough um, viewership to hit partner, and they do 20K um, every year for St. Jude. So um, just because you're targeting the largest folks on the platform, um, it doesn't mean that you're creating meaningful relationships. And it, um, while their one-off event might be successful, it does not mean that they're connected enough to continue fundraising for you. Um, Vanessa. First
1: and foremost, Dylan, thank you so much for that commentary because I, as an affiliate, that's probably one of the biggest things that kind of segueing back to the question being had, that's one of the biggest ways to make sure quickly that you don't get people to actually want to meet you and everything is if you decide right out the gate that in order to be valid, you need to have the big shiny purple check mark, you're going to lose people like myself immediately. Again, I've only been around for a year and three months on this scene and I'm already appearing on podcasts. I'm helping set up other events in the future i'm supposed to be running a podcast here talking about these things i've done a podcast about charity back in december so definitely don't sell yourself short by saying oh well this person they're just an affiliate that have like maybe 20 viewers or so we're not going to make any money with that that and then there's that reminder as well that one of the big things we're told is that every dollar matters so it kind of goes without saying that you should probably want to get involved with as many people as possible. In terms of how to actually meet influencers, I think uh, kind of same thing Dylan said, direct contact is best way to go. Um, I am, I speak for myself. I'm easily approachable, Ali will tell you, and I've demonstrated it today. I will talk all day. But definitely having like a table or a booth set up at something like TwitchCon and you see somebody that's like walking by that's interested or talking about getting interested in the charity spaces, strike up that conversation. Get engaged let them know why your cause is important what you're trying to do how you want to get involved and then again exchanging that information business cards or emails if they're public things of that nature Um, In terms of direct messages. I'm very active on Twitter I'm pretty sure most people here are relatively active on Twitter Um, if we have DMS available and open send us DMS send us emails that don't be afraid to reach out to us and actually say hey I've been viewing some of your content. that's another thing. please actually engage your content. I've been viewing some of your content. I liked the stuff that you stand for. I really like your energy and your attitude around this, that, and these, and those. We would love it if you would be interested uh, not entertaining. if you would be interested in raising money for our cause. And again, making that personal and not just giving like a blanket from a directive statement where it's just like, hey, we would like to raise money. This is the name of our charity. This is what we do. Okay, I mean, I can find that probably on your Twitter page out the gate. Make it personal. Make it so that it's much more interactive. Make it engaging. And then most of us, I I would wager to say, are receptive. Even if we come come back and say, hey, sorry, I can't raise money at this time. Most of us are still willing to keep that connection open and build further on it. I know that I have that right now with um, Starlight who also does charity work for severely ill kids, they reached out to me literally right at the end of St. Jude, so the timing was just absolutely terrible. But nonetheless, they at least messaged me with something that was personal, something that was, hey, we love your content, we love what you're doing, we love your bods, we love seeing you in action. We want to know if at some future date you'd love to raise money with us. And I unfortunately had to decline because I am booked out for like the next three months or so but nonetheless i still have that message in my inbox i know who they are i follow their page now they've already started up that connection so definitely 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 reach out to them and get engaged like directly
0: yeah absolutely and and to that note um authenticity is really what what you're driving for it's probably your biggest tool in your toolbox um you know don't don't treat influencers and online folks, whether they be people who play video games or other things, as an other. You don't need to create a brand new Twitter. Um, keep in mind that the way you name your program is the type of people you're, you're going to attract. So if your program, I'm gonna pick on JDRF here for a second, their their program's called Game to Give, and. While a good portion of people on Twitch are gamers, not all of them are. And first and foremost, they're content creators, they're influencers. Gaming is the content they choose to make. And a lot of people who do gaming often will throw in some cooking or some IRL stuff. So keep in mind that however you choose to name and handle your program will definitely impact how people see it. Um, I know that it's really easy to look at St. Jude and Extra Life and see that they have another Twitter. Um, But keep in mind that they came out about when there was no other charities in the space and when the space wasn't validated. The space is validated now. We have people making a living on Twitch and online influencers as a a realistic job these days. And so really treating it the same way you would treat anybody else like you do for your run walk. You have someone that manages your program and holds those relationships, the same kind of thing. and Tim, if you have some additional insights here, real quick about how you would suggest folks getting in touch with content creators or influencers.
2: Well, I was going to say, with me being the uh, the partner in this group, was feeling a little bit of the attack on me, but <laughs> no, they're they're, they're both. So they're they both should you shouldn't you shouldn't use the status that. Uh, a broadcaster has on Twitch against them. doesn't matter if they're a partner, if they're an affiliate, if they just got started this week, they can all make some sort of impact with you. And touching on a way to you know, get in contact, uh, how I got in contact with St. Jude is actually a really good one. And it's this bracelet I have right here in my hand. It's just a little rubber bracelet that just said St. Jude play live. But I met them at TwitchCon in 2015. And what it was is they had two people from St. Jude that were walking around in the line, handing out these little bracelets and said, hey, if you take a picture with this and put this on your Instagram, you have a chance of winning one of our really awesome Twitch hoodies that we specifically make that has the St. Jude stuff on their arm. Well, as uh, a little thing with my stream, I have a unicorn that I carry with me for my stream that is my streaming partner. And what I decided to do was I took the bracelet, put it on the unicorn, took a picture, and posted it and i did happen to win a hoodie because of it but it started that communication with saint jude that is now turned into a five-year relationship with streaming for them so it could be anything from an email to a social post and also how you interact with someone when you go to these events It could be walking around and handing out little trinkets to people that are standing in line getting ready to come in talking to people in line um uh that are standing in the merch line, having a table, or even during the charity areas that are at some of these events and just being able to go, hey, so what do you think about this? What do you think of the organizations that are here and starting communications with them?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, since since Tim brought up the Twitch Hitty, um, and you're probably about to go look up the Twitch St. Jude Hitty, um, that agreement was grandfathered in way back when Twitch was a wee little startup and um, St. Jude was just getting involved. Um, so we do not license out our logo for nonprofits um, anymore. St. Jude is the one and only, and that's a hundred percent because they were grandfathered as their company grew and after we were bought with Amazon. But there are other ways you can reward your, your streamers and maybe the next panel that we do can talk, will be a little bit shorter and we can just talk about rewards that creators are interested in taking on. Um, so again, thank you everyone for dialing in and listening, asking questions. Thank you, Vanessa, Dylan, and Tim, for participating and donating your time for nonprofits to get better educated on this space. And um, real quick, we'll we'll go. Um, Vanessa, Dylan, Tim, tell everyone where they can find you. And um, you know, if you're also looking to get hired at a nonprofit, you know, maybe list off a few of your dream nonprofits to work for.
1: Um, I'll go ahead and start because I think that's the order that you did anyway. Um, you can find me on twitch.tv slash twisted. Um, pleasantly is spelled normally, Twisted is T-W-S-T-D. If you put any vowels in there, you will not find me. And then there is a version that exists with an E that is wrong, it's not me. It's very easy to find because the icon looks very much like me in an animated form. You can also find me on Twitter at, at M-S-T-W-S-T-D, that's Miss Ms. And then I have an Instagram as well under miss Vanessa B, which has my name unfortunately, but it's a grandfathered Instagram and everyone was already finding me there. And I said, okay, that's fine. You can just go ahead and keep it there. Um, I do, I am one of the people to have my resume out looking to work directly with charities and getting them into the charity influencer space. And some of my dream hits would be doctors without borders. I would love to work for charity water. Um, children's miracle network was on my listing as well. And I, of course, cannot think of all the ones that I have listed on there before because my mind is blanking. But there are many, many more. And um, if you reach out to me, I'll probably most likely, if not definitely, still be interested, but those would be my dream ones. Again, environmentalism or humanitarianism is my absolute diehard, want to work for placing.
0: And just to let everyone know, environment and, humanitarian that's that's harder to grasp particularly in other countries is harder to get influencers on because it takes a little bit more one-to-one connection vanessa is an extremely passionate individual and highly highly endorse all the people i i bring on a talk um dylan and then tim
3: all right um, you can find me on social media on twitch and everything of that nature under Empire. that's d m p e y e r um, I am currently, again, working as a community manager with JDRF, so I already landed my gig here thanks to the help with Ally and everything that we worked with on that. Um, but if you need anything question-wise answered, feel free to reach out at general statements or anything of that nature, and feel free to drop by and say hi.
0: All right, Tim.
2: All right, well, uh, you can find me on Twitch and Twitter and Instagram under Gamer Enchantment, and that's G A M R enchantment, you know cuz I felt like not being able to include that e in the gamer just makes me different. But uh you can find me all the, all those different things as far as uh looking at different charity organizations to work with. Uh I've had a lot that I've been really passionate about. I'm open to a lot of different organizations. The ones that I've had a dream job with have been like wounded warrior project uh extra life with the children's miracle network hospitals but really my passion has always been just helping people and it doesn't matter what field it is in it doesn't matter what um, area of expertise it is it's helping people helping animals helping the environment because it all needs help and all needs someone to help bring people in to help and that's what matters to me awesome
0: thanks so much and tim is all all, but all three of these folks are extremely, extremely passionate. Um, both Vanessa and Gamer have been known to talk my ear off um, long past the time <laughs> that we were supposed to say goodbye on a call um, around some of these issues. Um, so uh, again, thank you so much, everyone. And if you're looking to get in contact with Twitch regarding um, charity things, that's charity at twitch.tv. And if you're looking to get in contact with me personally, um, you can reach out pretty much anywhere under Alleycat, and that is spelled A-L-Y-K-K-A-T. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. And if you enjoy the show, please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues. You can find Influencer Fundraising, the podcast, on Spotify, Overcast, and many more. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or have an idea for an episode, please head to InfluencerFundraising.com for more information. Thanks for listening, and stay curious.